Gratitude That's my everyday Have you ever looked up at the stars and just wondered what it all means? Asking yourself, how do we get here and where are we going? When I look out in the world, I see so many people getting lost in their stories, rarely thinking about or asking the bigger, unanswerable questions of the universe. Like, what's the purpose of life? How did we come to be? And what happens when we die? Well, this is pretty much all I think about. And so I decided to start asking others as well. Welcome to Quantum Coffee. A lot of people are scared to die. Right. And that's why there's such a frenetic pace all the time. And there's so much urgency about everything that we do. And I'm more important than you because I can, in my head, count down the number of days that I have until this is it. And if I don't get everything accomplished that I wanted to get accomplished in this life, well, I was a failure. That's where, for me, kind of stepping back and having the belief that I get to try this again. And this is just one experience and I'm learning and I'm going to go back up to our meeting room and I'm going to be with my buddies that I haven't seen in a little while. And we're going to talk about the game and what you see and what you experience. And then we're going to get sent back down. It's kind of takes away the urgency. That was one of my good buddies, Nick Hardwick, one of my football buddies. He actually played 10 years, I think 10 or 11 years at the San Diego Chargers. He retired a few years uh, before me. Uh, We have a lot in common. Um, Actually connected with him just uh, about a year ago at a uh, event called Bridge to Success that the NFL puts on. Um, He's one of my favorite humans. So glad we connected. And I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Um, He uses a lot of football analogies to talk about spirituality. And they're freaking incredible. I'm definitely going to use them moving forward. They make a lot of sense. And uh, he's a very bright dude. And he's very connected. And I hope you enjoy this conversation. Let me know what you think. Nick, what's up, man? Hi, Joe. Thank you for having me, bud. I appreciate that. Yeah. I just want to tell everybody how amazing your setup is when we log on (laughs) to the Zoom call and all of a sudden there's this camera scanning around this big room and then it zooms in on this desk. Tell a little bit about that. You got this like this camera stuff. I've been on so many Zoom calls as well and I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. So right in front of me, I've got a a big screen TV. It's in my office here, set across from my desk, probably four feet back. And then on top of the TV, I've got this oscillating camera. It's by Logitech and it's run through the wall and it comes down through the floor and then it plugs into my computer right here. So every time I click on a Zoom call, it just automatically comes on and then I zoom into my head and hardwired in man just plugged in this is this is the new normal for me it's like podcasting jumping on other podcasts doing sports talk radio and stuff this is this is life so it it actually it's it's really nice cuz like you're big in front of me so it it yeah. appears like you're sitting at my desk my to me yeah, that's amazing dude you're up so in I the can, game i'm going to definitely have to up my game yeah, it's cool. I can like, it helps me uh, suspend my disbelief in the conversation that you're not actually here. 
Yeah, really creating that that connection. Yes, back and forth. I love it. Too. I can look, I can look into your eyes. <laughs> Changing the game. I love it. Tell uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, and kind of maybe how we met a little bit, um, and what you got going on now. Yeah, I'm Nick Hardwick. I'm a husband first. I'm a father to two boys second. I got an eight year old and a six year old, and we also have a dog who's five years old and. Living in Indiana, I am a former NFL player. I played the center position for the what was at one point the San Diego Chargers for 11 years. And I retired at the end of 2014 and went into sports media, doing some TV shows, some radio stuff, and lost a ton of weight immediately upon my retirement, like 85 pounds, and have taken on like a health and fitness type lifestyle ambassador and just showing people how I lost weight and how I'm maintaining that weight loss into my retirement. This will be my sixth year out of the NFL now. And it's been an absolute blast being partially retired. I run a supplement company. I do a podcast and I'm still doing sports talk radio. And how did we meet? We met at a NFL transition program called Bridge to Success. And I was very fortunate to get invited to be a speaker at that. And then I ran into you afterwards and we probably had... We hit it off like right away and we had probably a two-hour conversation after the event. And it was like, when you're in San Diego next, hit me up. And the next time, the next time that you came yeah, back out, what happened. <laughs> yeah, the, next, the next time you came back out, you're like, Hey, I'll be out in a week. And I said, Hey, I just got invited to, uh, no, I, I think I asked you, I set you up a little bit. I was like, Hey, what are you doing on uh, Saturday morning or something like that? And you're like, nothing, just got a couple of things to do later in the day. And I said, Hey, do you, uh, you want to jump out of a plane with me? Because there was an event that was benefiting merging vets and players, a kind of cause that's near and dear to my heart. And so we went skydiving together as part of a huge fundraiser for military veterans. So that was our second date ever was jumping out of a plane. And ever since then, we've stayed in great contact and I appreciate the hell out of you. Yeah, man, that was uh, the best first. I would say it was the first date because we kind of mingled at a cocktail party and then we went, <laughs> I hit you up first call. Hey, do you want to go out with me? And you're like, yeah, let's go jump out of an airplane. And it was a wild, <laughs> a wild experience, man. I'm really proud of myself for doing that because that is something I've always thought about doing. And it's one of those things I think a lot of people think about doing. And it was like, I didn't have to plan it. It wasn't something like months down the line. I'm like, I have to worry about it. It was like, I'm going to be there in four days. I said yes. And like, I just basically just went for it. And that was, yeah. How was that experience for you? What was it like? That was your first time jumping out of an airplane too, right? It was my first time. And it, the same kind of thing, like I've always wanted to do it, but then you kind of have the natural apprehension built in and you get anxious about it. And it's like, ah, I'll keep putting it off. But my buddy did the same thing to me. It's Nate Boyer. And a lot of people know Nate Boyer from the Colin Kaepernick deal in the NFL. He's a former Green Berets, an awesome dude. I got to climb Mount Kilimanjaro with him. And he's affiliated with merging vets and players along with Jay Glazer. And a lot of people know Jay from uh, Fox Sports. He's a broadcaster and he trains fight. He's a, this guy does everything. He's a total animal. And so he did the same thing to me. He's like, hey, what are you doing in two weeks, right? And I was like, nothing, dude. You want to meet up? And he's like, actually, I'm putting you on an airplane. So it was the same kind of thing. It was like, okay, I kind of 
by default, I guess, took the dare because I said I wouldn't do anything. And now you're doing this. You have and I'll to, do right? It. Yes. And then you set me up to, like, I got to pay this for <laughs> I was like, I like those tactics. That's what I said to him. I was like, I like those tactics. I'm going to use those from now on. And Let's do this thing. Oh, but man. it was that, that bang, bang kind of mentality. It's like just, oh, okay, we're going to do this. And it's already set up. And all I have to do is show up and then fall out of an airplane. I guess mm-hmm. I could do that. And Would you do it again? I really do. Oh, yeah, totally. That was a, I loved it. I, I actually really loved the whole experience. And yeah, I was really was, surprised how much I really liked it. Were you? I was like really fearful going in, but I was like really present, right? Like I'm doing all these like yeah. awareness exercises. I have a really good meditation practice. I was like, you know what? I know I'm going to be filled with fear going up there in that plane, but I'm going to, I'm not going to like do the thing where I like don't remember the experience. Like I wanted to be present with the fear, present with the experience. And like being able to do that and then jumping out of the plane and then all of a sudden you hit that moment where you're just like floating or flying or just yes. there. Like that was epic. Like everybody should experience that. And isn't, isn't it cool that the training that you had done to calm yourself down and to kind of embrace those emotions and feelings that you had something. And I think that's kind of the important thing is like having something to put those practices to test. So not mm-hmm. always just sitting and meditating and trying to calm down. It's like, let's do it when something's like live. Like we're, yeah. and, and what better to bring you fully present than just a huge rush of adrenaline. And it's, you're in that fight or flight moment, but you're able to then take all of that practice that you've done and put that to the test and go, how did I do? How was it working for me? And I mm-hmm. think without those, without those like testing moments, you never really get to experience like, is this working for me? It's like, yeah. it, it worked and good for you. You know, the, the one that, the moment I had one moment, like I was super calm and then like we showed up and we filled out the, the forms and then it was literally like once we were done, they said Joe and Nick and then we were getting our suits on and they didn't even it was weird because we were on the tarmac and they put our little harnesses on that we strap on put the guinea pig on our back and they didn't tighten them up until we were sitting on the plane so for me I was like this is really odd and my only I wasn't nervous doing all that I was like okay I trust this guy I have no idea I still don't know what his name is I trust him because I have to I had the the one moment of tension was when the plane was trying to lift off from the ground. And I was like, (laughs) okay, there's no turning back now. It was like kind of a take your breath away moment. And then once we got up there, I was like completely released from any anxiety. I was like, yeah, we're going to do this. I'm going to fall out of the plane and we're going to make it back to the ground safely. And it just, at that moment, it was like, I didn't feel any fear. And it, I think part of it was all the hastiness about it, right? It was like, it strap, happen strap, really fast. strap, here, lean here, lean your head back, three, two, one. All of a sudden, I was like, wow, we're on the ground. What happened? It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then you're just it totally exhausted the rest of the day because of the, the, the adrenaline dump. Like, yes. that was a fascinating experience, too. Just like literally so many chemicals just released from that experience that you just yes. are like, Oh man. <laughs> well, I appreciate great. you bringing me on that. Cause I, you know, that's an experience I'll remember forever. And it definitely is, is one of those things. It's like, once you check Mark, like, yeah, I, I did it. I jumped out of the plane. Like what else yes. is there to do? <laughs> kind of right. Yeah. 
So tell me about football. Do you uh, do you miss it at all? Like, how's the transition process? I know you went through a little bit of stuff um, early on, and I know you've kind of found your groove now. Um, yeah. But do you miss football at all? You know, it's interesting. I don't miss playing football at all, but I miss being around football. And that's why my, my third graders playing tackle football. I'm coaching at the local high school here that I went to in Indianapolis. And just simply being around the sport for me gives me enough of the taste that it's fulfilling. It's gratifying. And that's all I really want is to spend just enough time doing it that I get what I want out of it. I get that charge. I get that emotion. I get that kind of that same connectivity that you have where you're fully present. I'm immersed in practice or we've got a game or a scrimmage coming up. And it's like, you start to feel those emotions kick up again when you're going mano y mano. And, you know, I'm watching my son compete and watching him get beaten, watching him win and all the lessons that come out of those little moments. I mean, for me, that's what was so great about the sport itself was how quickly you won and how quickly you lost. And then I thought the learning curve for us was just exponential, how fast it went up and and the lessons that we got out of that sport. So that's mostly what I miss is testing myself weekly, testing myself daily at practice or in the weight room and competing with other guys, which to me was just, I, I guess what I figured out by the end of it all. Thankfully, we got to play that kid's game for long enough that you figure out the the opponent, the team, the man that you're fighting on the other side was just, it was just a medium. It was just an outlet for you to be able to compete with yourself and to challenge mm. yourself on a daily basis. So that's, I miss the urgency that that all created. No, that's definitely well said. What do you, what do you do now to create that challenge for yourself? Cause I think that's a big thing that yes. a lot of athletes deal with, especially the, the high performing, like pinnacle, like we made it to. And, so one thing I've realized is like, I do need to challenge myself and, and improve and have something to work towards. Like, what is something that, like, what have you found in your life to, to, to focus your energy on that? You know, one of the things that I miss the most about the whole deal is just that presence, right? Like being fully plugged into like the source of life where it feels like there's nothing else that's more important than what I'm doing now. And if funny, like, getting to podcast for me, having like an intense connection with somebody for an hour or two hours or whatever it is, that to me gives me that juice. Like when I leave the podcast, I'm like, that that was awesome. And I'll be raving about it for the next three days. Kind of like a game, right? It's like a little bit of a live performance. And then, you know, I think that the, the challenging component is nobody's going to scrutinize you the way that they did. You don't have an accountability partner. You don't have a coach who's watching the film with you going, you know, on your last episode, you should have asked this question or did you like your introduction there? Or when you're running your supplement company, are you doing the right promotional things? Are you doing it from a, you know, there's all of these little things where our hand placement was scrutinized. Our six inch step was scrutinized. If our hat or helmet placement was on the wrong side. Like all of that was so finely scrutinized that it forced you to be very critical of yourself. And I think that's the one thing that I try to do on a daily basis is take a good self-assessment 
of what was my day like? Did how did I treat my wife? How did I speak to her? You know, it's not just how I felt about her, but it's how did I speak to her in the moment? Like how am I treating my kids? Are they getting what they need and being really reflective into that? Like, am I providing the type of environment that I want to provide? And that was one thing I did after every game. I mean, nobody's ever played a perfect NFL game. I don't think ever. Like there's always, even if you grade out at a hundred, which nobody does, there's still something that you could fine tune. There's something the next week that could get you beat. But even if you played that perfect game, like from a leadership standpoint, were you on point? Did you communicate at the right times? Did you in the locker room before the game or the week leading up to the game, were you dialed in to the point where you had everybody's focus and attention on what it needed to be? Could you have done more, I guess, is kind of what I'm getting at. And that's what I always want to know in my performance during the day with the family and the kids and the podcast. Like, could you do more? Could you do better? And yeah, and how do you find balance with that too? Because there's there's a balance like of, of beating yes. yourself up, right? And that's yes. one thing I know is football is like I could have done better, damn, or you know I could have I, I shouldn't have said that, and then you kind of beat yourself up. So how do you find that balance of like because you're never going to be perfect, you're never going to have the perfect Ever. day, you're it's always something, right? So being easy on yourself, but also challenging yourself to be and reach your highest potential. That's and true. And when teaching kids that concept who are young, it's a it's a very difficult thing to get across to them is yes, we want to assess ourselves and we want to be aware of what we're doing and where our pitfalls are and we can strengthen those, but we also don't want to dwell on them. It's a really challenging concept. I came up with a saying it was years ago, as after a, a huge flop by me and Philip Rivers on Monday night football where all we had to do, we we're on the 15-yard line. There was a minute and like 20 seconds to go. All we had to do was get the snap from under center, kick a field goal, and we win. I think it would have been like 26-23 or 23-20 or something like that. Monday night football, Halloween night, and fireworks go off. We snap the ball. I was trying to do something to the nose guard that Philip wasn't expecting me to. Like we ran an, a zone play to the right, and I tried to like jump and trap the nose guard because I wanted to create a huge hole for a walk-off touchdown. It was going to be glorious. Well, he wasn't <laughs> expecting it. So I startled him. So his top hand actually like turned the wrong way. So the ball, I, I, he just kind of, I startled him. I get it. And his, <laughs> he, his hand reacted. So his, he like kind of freaked out, I think. And his hand turned up. So the ball hits the ground. They recover it. We go to overtime. We get the ball first. We don't score. Matt Castle leads him down on like an 85-yard drive and they end up winning the game on Monday Night Football. We missed the playoffs that year. And both him and I for like three days afterwards, they're like, oh my goodness. Like, how can we go back in that locker room? How can we go back on that field? Because neither one of us could really explain what happened. It was just like this error that happened. And eventually it kind of came to me. It's like, you have to move forward. But the, the line that kind of came to me is, I'm not as good today as I will be tomorrow. So it's what for me it does is it acknowledges that I'm going to make mistakes, but I am going to work on those mistakes. So it allows room for error and allows room for mistakes, but it also allows me 
the understanding that I will work on those mistakes. So it's trying to find that little balance. I'm not as good today as I will be tomorrow. So I'm going to give my best effort today so I can be a little bit better than I was tomorrow with the understanding and patience that tomorrow I'm going to be better. In 10 years, I'm certainly going to be better than I was. When I'm 48, I'm going to be way better than I was at 38 years old all the way until the day I die. That's the plan anyway. Man, that story makes me cringe. I feel you. <laughs> oh, it's awful. Ooh. It was the, awful. The Q Center exchange, the infamous, oh. like ruining the whole entire... I, and obviously that's things that you you know, you know kind of still still live with. That's that's one thing about playing football, especially at that, that high a level. It's like there's these there's these memories that like oh man they live with you forever and it is oh, yeah. it does take a certain kind of mental toughness mental strength to look in the mirror and like own that and have to move on and like because really all it creates is the story within our mind and so if we create a negative story around oh I'm not good enough I suck this I can't believe I did that to the team and you can just go down this spiral and I think a lot of people in life have those stories right and so you have to really like reframe that story in a way like you just said and that's part of the human experience yes which is going to transition into kind of this this whole idea of this podcast quantum coffee talking about a little bit more of the unanswerable questions of the universe and i want to get your thoughts on that um so what is the like what do you believe the the whole purpose of this human experience is you've obviously had an amazing human experience so far you're living it you're you're present you, I mean, I think, like you said earlier in the podcast, like football has provided us with so many acute life lessons in such a short amount of time that we're able to take on, you know, this this second part of our lives with with such grace and like enjoying the challenge. And we've already learned so many lessons that we can kind of do these different things. But what is the the purpose of it all? Like, I keep asking myself almost every day, really, it's kind of, and some days it's like in this awe-inspiring way, like, oh my God, this experience of life, like, what does it actually mean? Why are we here? And then some days it's like, well, what is the point? Like in a negative way, like what, yes. if, there's, if there's no real point to it, then why am I even trying to be better? Right. Or why am I like, why do I need a purpose if I'm just going to wake up, live life and then die? So like, what do you, like, how do you find purpose? And like, what is the reason for it all in your mind? Yeah, isn't that, isn't that funny? Because I think everybody does that exact same things. It's like some days I wake up and it's like, I walk out back and I just put my hands up. I'm like, for the grace. I mean, this is just an unbelievable day. It's an unbelievable experience. And then other days you're like, but why all the effort? Where are we going? And, and sometimes it's, my wife gets upset with me because at times I'll go, you know, you're just really great to kill the time with. Like, and she gets upset when I'm like, we're just kind of killing time here. And there's certain days that I have that feeling. And then there's other days where I feel like we get the opportunity to experience all of this. And for me, I think when I think of why are we here? What's our deep purpose? I think one to reproduce, to keep this species going. And then the other is to continually improve in every facet that we can possibly improve in. And I think probably more importantly than every aspect of physical that we can improve, mental that we can improve from a financial experience, can we improve? Like you have all these different slices of the whole experience pie that you can improve in. I think those are all means to figure out how we can improve spiritually and how we can 
treat one another with kindness and empathy and make each other better. It's like when I was talking about coming to the sidelines and did I do enough from a leadership standpoint? I think part of that is, am I doing enough to help other human beings out have a great experience as well? So for me, it's it kind of comes back to, I'm not as good today as I will be tomorrow and taking it and kind of broadening that and it's saying, am I a better human being today? than I was yesterday. And by the time I'm 90, by the time I'm 100 years old, I should be at my peak of my human beingness. I'm not going to be physically where I was. I'm not going to be mentally where I was. I'm not going to be able to wake up every single day and do the exact same things that I'm doing at 30, 40, 50 years old. But I should, by that time, have a whole lot of wisdom trapped in that body that I'm willing and able to share with other people. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's almost as if we are here to learn and grow. Right. And like whatever your belief is about what this experience is, if you, you know, I I truly believe that there has to be some kind of bigger, grander spiritual component of this essence that comes in and learns and grows. Cause otherwise what's the point of learning and growing just to die. And, um, what are your thoughts with like, you know, you're talking about like the spiritual aspect what and the experience of life, like what is the grander experience? Do you believe we have this like soul, like I was talking about, that comes in to learn these specific lessons? Like I love this concept of, you know, the earth is like a school and it's a school for spirits, right? And we come down yes. from wherever we come down and we, we, I don't know if we choose or what we do before our lifetimes, but we come down to learn these specific lessons. And it is all about growth, learning and having the experience. And there's just so much to experience. I was even, I think about this quite a bit too, because back to the purpose question is like, well, what am I here to do? And I'm trying to figure it out after football. And I think a lot of athletes deal with this and it's, it's, there's so much we can learn. There's like, like you look on your phone and there's just so much content, so much YouTube videos, so many books, so many different genres of stuff, different things like you can go be a scientist, uh, astrophysicist, you can go be a teacher, you can be a coach. Like there's good things you can do, bad things you can do. Like there's just literally infinite number of experiences. And so it's like, and then even the people, like I I like connecting with this idea as well is like a lot of people have this, like, I want to change the world. I want to have impact in the world. And I I definitely feel like I'm being called to do that. But even that idea and that concept is like, even someone, let's say, in our world that we live in today, who has a ton of influence in the eyes of like social media, let's say someone has like a million followers on social media, that's a ton of influence. Like so many people that want to be influencers would love that. But like a million people impact out of 7 billion people on the planet, like it's not even a drop in the bucket. So you're really not as influential or impactful as you think. And I think that's why it's crazy, like what, what we're going through now with how in impactful like the the mainstream media is because they do actually have a because lot of, of the reach yeah yeah because of that reach that they have i mean that isn't it funny like in the social media world like you said a million people and you're like oh look at me and then in the grand scheme of things there's seven billion people out there that could potentially be affected but I think that's kind of the beauty of it. That's the awe of it. It's really like when when you get that perspective and you go a million people in the grand scheme of things, like that's kind of laughable, right? It's like one out of 7,000 million people that you could 
be affecting, right? It's like, yeah. so you go, you got a crowd of, yeah, you got a crowd of 7,000 people and you get to affect one of those people, which I guess is still pretty amazing. But when you keep it in perspective, it's really why when you go to the ocean and you go stare at the horizon and you go and, and you feel the power of the water, you feel like a piece of sand. You just, mm. you feel like very unimportant. And I think that the good news about that is it just kind of puts you in, persp- in place. And I think it, it can leave you a little bit overwhelmed feeling, but it can also say, hey, you're not as important as you think you are. And isn't that humbling? And isn't that a nice mm. feeling? And doesn't that release some of the burden that we put on ourselves? It's like, I have to do more. I have to do more. I have to do more. And it's like, but look at the grandness of this and think of the numbers. And when you put those in perspective, it's like, you don't have to, you get to, right? You're like, mm. You get to even affect one person. Even if you have a positive effect on one person, that's positive. And... Mm. A lot of the way that I think about and make decisions is, is it a net positive or is it a net negative? Are you doing something that's going to positively affect you first, that's going to affect your family in a positive way second, and then is going to affect the community third? Like, So are you making net positive or net negative decisions? And how are those impacting people? So even if you're in the plus by just one person, like that's... That's good stuff because that one person mm. could affect one more person, can affect one more person. And that's eventually maybe we can get out from the, uh, the umbrella of the crazy media circus. But I, back to your point about, you know, what do I think about the whole spiritual world? I guess with the way that I kind of construct my days where I'm not as good today as I will be tomorrow... I, I'm with you. I think we get this human experience as a classroom. And I think we get put into this body. And our soul is kind of this infinite being that gets to go to the spiritual world and gets to go like we did after a football game, which was our real life experience. We would go and we would analyze the film and we'd say, we could get better here. We could get better here. We could get better here. And we're going to continue that process. So you get all of these different game-like experiences. And then we get to go back up into or wherever into the spiritual world and be in our spiritual classroom and our meeting room with a group of like-minded individuals that are probably on the same spiritual path that we're on. And then once we've learned the lessons and gathered what we need from that lifetime, then we get to get sent back down and we get to try all over again. And that to me is part of the, I'm not as good today as I will be tomorrow. It's like, I'm not as good in this life as I will be in the next life. And then eventually I think what happens is you get so good at it and not many individuals get to attain this, but I think you get so good at it that they don't actually send you back down for another life experience. Like now you're a you're one of the conveners of the spiritual world where you are now just a coach or you're running an organization and you get to help pick people's missions that they're going to go on next. And then they continue to come up and try to get better. And, and when you fail, you get sent back up. When you die, you get sent back up and 
you get talked to by your coach. Sometimes it's in a stern manner and sometimes it's very kindly. And we get sent back down and say, here's where we need to learn. Here's where we need to improve. Why did you think that uh, jumping off of that was going to be a great idea? Why'd you treat that human? Why'd you treat that other person that way? Let's try not to do that. And I'll give you some more tools and then we can go back down and we can try again. And then we just keep marching the path until eventually in thousands and thousands of generations, maybe we'll become one of the organizers of a spiritual pod or whatever it is. Wow, man, that's a really beautiful way to put it. I've never used, I've never heard the the idea of like reincarnation and multiple lifetimes used in a football analogy like that. And that makes <laughs> nice. so much sense, dude. Yeah, like going in, playing the game, and then there is all this time of preparation and learning from the game and then how you can improve and get better. Like that is, I'm going to use that one, man. That is awesome. freaking incredible. So you, so you believe we're like, what if there's this idea that, you know, good, like it's good and bad, right? Like, like what if we're the human experience is what labels things good and bad, right? What if yeah. there's this, like there's this concept of, I want to come down this time to learn a specific lesson. Maybe it is like, let's say a really bad example, like Hitler, right? Like what yes. is Hitler's soul? Like in our experience, our linear thinking human experience is like, well, Hitler's evil, pure evil, what he did. But mm-hmm. what if that soul is like, I want to experience what being pure evil is like. And it's just another experience. Cause when you think of it from this wider lens of multiple lifetimes, different dimensional realities, these spiritual realms, like, it's hard to even comprehend in our linear thinking minds of what that even is like. Right. I mean, that's why I love science too. I know you're into this. Like science is actually proving how much we don't know and like the yes. quantum field <laughs> and the unified field and like all this stuff, like even the visible light that we can see on the light spectrum is like just such a sliver. Right. So is there this like path that we're on as a soul to get to this like ascended master place or do we just, like, is it just going in infinitely for us just to continue to come back and have experiences and experience it all? I mean, I even have even heard the concept of like, we actually all come back and have every single experience of every single human that's ever, ever lived. And we get to have the awareness of that, which is a pretty cool concept. And wow. And then after, after you actually experience every single one, but I, I mean, it's just hard to even think about what that even means. And like, yes. like the, you know, the people that I think that have ascended to the the spiritual heights, like you think of Gandhi, right? You you think of people who have gone through just intense suffering and ridicule and have maintained grace and have maintained their train of thought through all of that. And you think of people who have just completely affected and molded not just our country, but the way of thought like globally. You you think of those people and I'm like, they have to be Either like you're saying, they're just getting a, a very unique experience. And wouldn't that be cool to get one of those experiences at some point to like be lucky enough to get the lottery ticket that it's like, hey, you're you're going actually, you're gonna go be Oprah Winfrey this time around. Like yeah. wouldn't that be a cool experience? Or you're you know, you're gonna you gonna go be one of these spiritual, impactful leaders that while it's probably gonna indicate a lot of suffering at some point, personal suffering and ridicule. 
you're going to get that experience. And But it, I guess in my thought process, just based on kind of how I try to live my own life and make improvements every single day, I feel like there has to be a spiritual ramping up. And mm-hmm. if you if you go like and you have a life like a Hitler or somebody that we would call pure evil, they would get sent down to the bottom rung and they would have a lot of long, hard lessons that they would be forced to endure and kind of some bad experiences that they would be forced to endure before they were allowed to then continue to make their way back up the mm-hmm. spiritual ladder because that soul is damaged and it needs a lot of help and it needs a lot of personal instruction. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. It's kind of up to the it's kind of up to the soul to decide if it's actually going to get better. Right? Like in in football they would always say my coaches would always say every, the team's divided into thirds. You got the top third who no matter how the season's going, you can count on those guys to show up early, to work hard, to stay late. You could be a 1 in 15 team at the end of the year and they're going to give you the same effort on the end of this on the last game of the season and all through that week of practice that they gave you at the start when hope was highest because that's just how those individuals are built and then you got the bottom third who's always looking for an excuse to get out of work who's trying to drag others down into their world and who aren't willing and aren't going to put out unless the team's doing overwhelmingly well and they're just kind of riding the wake of everybody else's success. And then there's that middle third who is going to go how the team goes. And so the bottom third's kind of looking to drag them down once things start turning in bad directions. Like, come down here. It's good down here. And then the, the top third's going, you really want to be up here and we could use your help. And if the season goes well, that middle third shifts towards the good third. And if the season's going poorly, and that's that's the momentum of the season, right? It's like when you start losing, it's hard to get over that because the bottom thirds wrangled up a couple of more out of that middle third. And then that it's kind of a snowball effect. And when you start winning, it just continues to compound. And that winning snowball gets huge. Dude, your spiritual football analogies are all time. Oh <laughs> all, my all, God. all the time. Oh, I love it, dude. That that's that's amazing. Cause I I was gonna say there is there is this almost as if like, you know, your soul has this like innate wisdom. And it's it's fascinating to me, like why there is this whole amnesia thing where we like are born and then we forget any of the realms we kind of have to learn. But then there are some people, like you said, these like realized awakened beings that are so you know spiritually wise and connected and it's almost as if there's and i don't know if you've read this book called power versus force but it's really fascinating where they like basically map and track this um, they put a number system on um levels of consciousness and awareness and they track it through muscle testing right and um so like it's, it talks about this concept that like any realized being, and I think the scales from like 20 is the lowest to a thousand. And so like these beings like Jesus and the Buddha are these fully realized awakened avatar beings are ranked at a thousand, which is the highest enlightened state. And then you can be anywhere in between, but any realized being that's a thousand consciousness level can hold, basically hold the grid for all these younger 
more immature, the bottom third souls that are trying to drag everybody down so that they can hold, they hold the grid almost so that those souls and those humans can have the experience to learn, to grow. And I really connect with that because, you know, I feel like I have this like innate wisdom and like, obviously learned a lot of lessons from football like yourself. And sometimes I look at people and I'm like, how can you not get this? Why are you so negative? Why are you so just in the, the weeds of life? And I think there's this, this idea that maybe they're just a younger soul learning yes. through those experiences still. Right. And so it, that idea for me really creates a lot of space and it creates this, this space of non-judgment where I like look at someone instead of being like, how can you be like that? It's like, all right, like you're learning your lessons. Like it's all good. You can do your thing. And it kind of takes a lot of the responsibility of me. Like I just have my own experience. I'm here to just kind of hold the grid. That's cool. And it also kind of is ageless, right? So even though you're younger, you may be looking at somebody older who's acting spiritually immature or who's angry all the time or who has some negative beliefs and thoughts that kind of surround them. You can look at them and go, it's not their biological age, their spiritual age may be a little young. And Mm. isn't it a great way to just build in some patience and empathy for all humans is when you can pull back and go, they can't help it. They're not there yet, right? It's like when you're looking at somebody who's acting that way in public or is mad at you driving down the road, it's like you wouldn't get mad at a six-year-old for acting that way. Mm. right so you can just kind of pull back and and show a little empathy and be like oh he'll learn she'll learn it's all good yeah and and not in a not in a bad way not in a i'm better or i'm at a higher spiritual plane than them way but it's like i remember being that like when i look at my eight-year-old and six-year-old boy there's so much of me that just i completely recognize everything they're going through it's like i've been there i get that and and you'll you'll get past this that's beautifully put, man. I love that. Yeah, it just definitely takes away a lot of the the judgment and it just definitely fills you with with a lot more compassion, which is definitely what this world needs a lot more of. We could, yeah. Let's go to the final question, which we kind of alluded on a little bit with with the different lifetimes and the spiritual realms, the different dimensions, and what do we really know? These are we're all just guessing here anyway. Of course. What do you what do you believe happens at the end of this experience? Like when we you know, I think, you know, death, especially in our culture and in our society, is it's a very taboo thing. It's not talked about a lot. I think a lot of the problems that we deal with, like on a deep, deep level, if you really look at it, is this deep, you know, I think a lot of religious beliefs attached to this too, is this fear of death and what happens when we die. And we don't know. And it's almost like we forget you know, it's almost as if, and I've, I've read a lot of books about near-death experiences and people who have gone, it's like almost as if like death might be just a transition and it could be one of the most beautiful things that any of us ever go through. And a beautiful thing about it is it's a shared experience that every single human is going to have to confront at some point. But in our life, when we're so bogged down by like doing and achieving and accomplishing and creating and like living this experience, it's like a lot of people don't ever really think about it that this life experience is impermanent. And I think it's something that, you know, as a society and as an individual, if you, the more you can think about it, not in a morbid way, but like this experience is going to, it has a finish line. It allows you to enjoy the experience so much more richly, so much more fully. So what are your thoughts around 
death, what happens when we die, and the idea of you know holding it at the front of your mind so that you can live a more fulfilled life. Yeah, I think it's a great question. And I think part of the point that you're making is like, we don't like to talk about death at all. We don't like to talk about when I tell my wife that, hey, we're just passing time together, right? She's like, don't talk about that. And I'm like, but we are, right? We're just here. We're with each other. Let's really enjoy this experience together. Because I think what a lot of people are scared to die, right? And that's why there's such a frenetic pace all the time. And there's so much urgency about everything that we do. And I'm more important than you because I can in my head count down the number of days that I have until this is it. And if I don't get everything accomplished that I wanted to get accomplished in this life, well, I was a failure. It's like, but that's where for me, kind of stepping back and having the belief that I get to try this again. And this is just one experience and I'm learning and I'm going to go back up to our meeting room and I'm going to be with my buddies that I haven't seen in a little while. And we're going to talk about the game and what you see and what you experience. And then we're going to get sent back down. It's kind of takes away the urgency. I mean, I love to, to be urgent. I love to live every day and get the most out of it that I can and produce as much as I can and have as much as effect as I can just because that's how I've been programmed to. But when I take a step back, it's like, there's no rush, dude. Like there's, there's no worries here. Whatever you get accomplished or don't get accomplished, good for you. We're going to get another game. We're going to get to do this mm. once again. So slow down. I don't speed when I drive anymore. I don't care. My kids give me a really hard time. My wife's like, will you speed up? And I'm like, for what? Like what? <laughs> I love that. Yes. Like, I'm like, we're going to get there, right? For what? We're going to get, we're all going to get there. So we're all like in this huge rush to get nowhere. It's like, mm. let's hurry up and get back to the meeting room. Like, no, this is the game. Let's enjoy the game. We have it right now. It's like, don't wish it to end. And just have the understanding that the clock is ticking. Yes, that we want to do as well as we can. And we're going to get to do it all over again. We're just... We're yeah, that's play, beautiful. Like, where games. are we trying to get to, right? It's we're trying... Like, the only thing that really exists is the present moment. So wherever we're trying to get to... Like the the thing we really are trying to get to is to the back to the present moment because it's the only thing that's really tangibly here now that yes. we can experience. The only thing and we that, can experience. That's a heady concept. Oh man, you're it's try, wild. And you're it's, trying to get to we, now. <laughs> you're, you're trying to get to right now. And that's why I love the the paradox of this whole existence. I mean, there's so much that contradicts like what, why, and that's why I love asking these kind of questions because it really boggles your mind and makes you think and. I mean, so many people do live and we have these minds that can create a story of the future of what we want and visualize what we want our lives to look like. And we can create these stories of what our past experiences were like, but all they are are stories and fabrications of our minds creating these pictures. And that's why I love tools like, I know you have a, a meditation practice and, and applying these different tools to really come back to the present moment, because that's really where we're all trying to get to yes. back here in the present. Right here, right now, this one breath at a time. I love That's, it, man. Oh, God. It's all we have. It's it's so funny. I love that concept. It's like we're, we're in a rush to get to now. It's like it's just... So, <laughs> we're here. We're already here. Let's just enjoy we're, it. We're in a rush to get to the present moment. It's like, we're going to be late. For what? For now? Yeah. We can't be late for now. <laughs> That's so good, man. All right. I really appreciate taking the time, man. I got one final... Uh, 
question for you. Um, you know, if you, if you were to, to die tomorrow, if you know, your, your experience was going to come to an end, what's, what's the one thing you'd want people to know? Like, what's the one message that you'd really want them to kind of attach to? And, um, what would you want to be remembered for? Yeah, that's, I, I want to be remembered as, uh, somebody who took it seriously, but wasn't that serious. Right. Like I, I take this experience seriously. I take the work that I do very seriously. I take being a parent seriously and a friend seriously and a husband seriously. But at the end of the day, it's not that serious. Right. Because we get a, we get to come down and we get to do it again. So like, let's have fun while we're being serious. And I think that's the, the fun thing that I learned playing ball again was like, this is serious business to us. Right. It's like, it's super serious to us. And if you care about it, but let's be out here. And I always played with like a slight scowl on my face. And then after the play, it was like a huge smile, right? It's like, mm. look what, look what we get to do. And we get to get lost in the moment doing this. So for me, I guess the whole deal is like, I take it all seriously. I take my life seriously, but at the end of the day, it's not that serious. We're going to do it again. I love it. It's all just a game, right? And connecting it's a game. With that. It's a game. Yeah. Let's have, fun play, let's have fun. Play, let's have fun playing the game, right? Exactly. Don't take yeah. it too seriously. Yeah, love that, man. That's a great way to end it. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, yeah, man, you're a fucking rock star. Awesome, Joe. Hey, look forward to it, and I, I'll keep following along because you're doing great work and inspiring a ton of people. So keep it up. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Gratitude for the sunrise. Gratitude for the sunshine. Gratitude for the moonlight. Every day feels like a new life. Especially when I meditate. Take a breath and then I elevate. Everything deserves gratitude. That's my everyday attitude. Gratitude. That's my everyday attitude. Attitude.